A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, World Game Changers, wherever you may be in the world. Today, in our Insightful Influencers episode, I've got a a gentleman from the UK. He's got the same surname as me. Listeners, this has to be a first. I cannot remember. um, You know, I know the mind can play tricks, particularly after nearly 400 episodes. But, uh, yeah, nobody, nobody's come on before with the surname of Lowe. So without further ado, let me introduce (coughs) Pete Lowe. Pete, a very warm welcome to you, sir. And a very warm uh, welcome back to you and your listeners as well, Paul. Um, Obviously, uh, just coincidental, or is it? We we just don't know. I mean, I'd like to say that Lowe's a great surname, Paul, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. You know what I mean? I'd love to say it's a great surname, but um, it's clearly just coincidental. Well, that's an interesting word, Pete, because as regular listeners to this podcast will know, uh, I toy, I flirt with that word coincidence, because for me, Pete, there is absolutely no such thing. Well, I don't disagree with that one bit, actually. I've been pleasant in saying that. I, I, I hope that you'll find throughout the course of this chat that we're going to have that I'm one of the most definite people that I know, to be quite honest with you. Um, as you well know, Paul, I'm from the football world and um, uh, people who succeed, for the one of a better way of saying it in professional sport, have a mindset of winning. They mm. learn how to win and then they learn how to be a champion for the uh, for a a fair description. So it's a winner's mindset followed by a champion's mindset, and I'm a huge believer in all of that. Mm. Which nicely leads in, listeners, to what Pete's just said there on the uh, <coughs> the title that we, we thought we'd play around with today. Life, a game of two halves. So, mm, interesting title, Pete. Where do we go with that? Life, a game of two halves. Is it a game of two halves? I think it's a game of hearts, a game as, as, as many hearts as you want it to make. I know that sounds daft, but I think that um, this last year really is, 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 should have demonstrated to everybody that there are things that you can't control. There are things that, that are outside of your control, but everything that is out, outside of your control leaves you with what you can control. And I'm equally, I think you're getting the flavour of the sort of person that I am now. I'm a, I'm a really positive person. And I think you have to grab a hold of the things that are very much in your control, which means that you have a half of the game left, mm-hmm. where actually the destiny of what you want to succeed is very much in your hands. Yeah. 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 And, and it is about having that awareness, is it not, mm-hmm. that... You know, letting go of the things that you can't control. Um, but we do, isn't it true, people? As humans, we get so attached to outcomes. You know, we set a goal and we are we're so fixed on the outcome, which is okay. You know, energy energy flows where focus goes. That's fine. However, it's very rigid, and I say it's very rigid. I liken it, and I speak from personal experience here to a staunch solid oak tree, which is great. It stands the test of time until the winds of life 
come along and uproot it and then it's gone. Surely it's better for us to be like a, a bamboo where we just, as the, you know, the storms, it'll, it'll take us to the ground, but we can bounce back. So there's a lot to be said for that, isn't the attachment of, you know, or should I say detachment from setting our goals? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one of my very first philosophies now. And um, throughout the years, I think that what happens to you is you, you develop as a person and therefore you change as a person. One of the big things that everybody fears in work and in working life is change because change is away from our modus operandi, the one that we know about. And we go into uncertain areas, don't we? Mm. The thing is with objectives, they're a bit like expectations. Expectations, you set an expectation and it might be quite a low one actually, Paul. You achieve it, have you really achieved anything? If you look at the concept of organizations like the All Blacks, they talk about having big dreams. And I'm working with a young player now once every two weeks or two or three times every two weeks. And um, we're working on this aspect of creating a winner's mindset. Now we've moved into this concept of developing a champion's mindset. Because in the words of the great Bill Walsh, the ex-San Francisco 49ers coach, winners are winners before they become winners, but champions always do extra. Mm. And I love that phrase. I really yeah. love that phrase. Now, what I mean by having big dreams, if you speak to this young man, you know, he'll, he'll tell you what his big dream is. His big dream is to play for his country, not just the club where he's at, not just being at the very top level of professional football, but being at the very top level of international football and staying there for as long as he possibly can. Now, he realises he might not achieve all of that big dream, Paul, because that big dream is quite consummate. There are large parts of it that if he has the right motivation and the right mindset, coupled with the technical ability that he has, actually he's got a great chance of achieving a very large part of that big dream. And even though he might not achieve all of it, it might be significantly higher than any expectation, goal or objective he ever sets. Mm. I, yeah. I think that's a really, really good way of looking at things. So I have changed my, my mindset with objectives and goals i try not to set them now if i'm honest with you mm. you know I, I do try to have this much bigger picture than that yeah i love that on a personal level pete absolutely love that and the reason i love that listeners is this for me the plans i don't set plans i don't do the yeah. goals what i do personally is set, i have a vision a yeah. big 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 monumental vision and yeah. I'm, I'm going to elaborate on that, listeners. And I don't think I've actually ever verbalised or clarified. I know I've made constant reference to the, the late, great Dr. Stephen Covey's ninth habit, leave the world a better place. But my personal conviction is, and I'm going to own this statement, and people might think, who does he think he is making this statement? I will contribute towards leaving this world a better place. Now, that is a... OK, so you could say that if you, you know, you plant a new tree or save, uh, you know, a little cat from being drowned or whatever that you've left, you've come to. But I mean, on a serious, serious note, you know, to contribute massively to world peace. Some of these things that we have inside us as people, we can't elaborate, can we? We can't sort of 
People say, well, where do you get that crazy notion from? You don't know, do you? It's a bit like love. Where's that come from? I don't know, but it's there. Does yeah, that all make I, sense? No, completely. I, I mean, um, if there's one thing football taught me was that you couldn't go, you couldn't go into football um, at a top place with, with only having half of your A game. It had to, it had to be all of your A game or not at all. It, it's as simple as that. Mm. And so yeah. part of having that A game was not just doing your job to the very best of your ability, or again using the the, the words of the great Bill Walsh, you know, the highest of attitudes for the highest of actions. <clears throat> it's not just about that. You've got to strive beyond it. So if you get 95% one day and you're capable of getting one more percent the day after, you've got to get the 96. And then when you've got the 96, you've got to strive for the 97. Because if you don't, somebody else will. And they'll always go past you. Yeah. And the yeah. way in which I try and describe this to business people in particular is that it's not very easy to catch somebody when they're walking past you because they've already got a head start. By the time you start walking, they're now jogging. And by the time that you're jogging, they're in a full sprint. Mm -hmm. And they're doubling that distance now. You're always playing catch-up. And that's a mindset issue, Paul. So yeah. I, I'm yeah. absolutely with you on all of this. Um, I think you probably get that. You know, what My perspective has always been that nothing ever changes unless you change minds first. It's as simple as that, really. Yeah. You've got to yeah. change mindsets to get things differently. But if I could just describe it like this to you, you could win a football match, Paul. Anybody could win a football match. Any coach on the planet can win a football match. You know, it's not, it's not he that wins it. He helps his players. He sets them up to win it. He creates a background for them to go into it with winning mindsets. It's then up to them to win the game. But when they've won one game, that game's now finished. But what it does give them is confidence. It gives them a self-belief. That's a great platform. It's a wonderful place to project yourself forward. It's like a trampoline bed. You hit that bed, it creates kinetic energy, and it throws you even higher. That's the same with any win on a football pitch. It's the same with any gaining of um, a deal in a boardroom on the shop floor or 10 people on the shop floor do a job an awful lot better than they did the day before. That's success. And we talk about marginal gains these days. Whether you agree with margin, the concept of marginal gains or not, you've got to agree that actually people set this tone of excellence, Paul. I have a real problem with that because I think it's nebulous. It doesn't exist. But what does exist is constant improvement. And I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in that equally. So it's driving forward every single day to do the best you can and better the day before. So when I'm on a podcast like this, I try to give people everything I know for the want of a better way of seeing that equally. And then the next time I do a podcast, Paul, not that I'm doing this one badly, if you like, but I want to do better in the next one. That's my background. I can't help that. Fascinating. There's a, there's a few things I want to uh, to rewind on there, Pete. So the uh, the marginal gains. Mm. Uh, if anybody ever needed any convincing of that approach, let's go back to well, nearly a decade ago now, the 2012 Olympics, oh, where yeah. 
he wasn't a, he wasn't a, a sir in those days. Humble character by the name of Dave, Dave Brailsford. Yes. And he had this approach to the uh, the cycling team. Yeah. And I don't know how much you follow the Olympics, listeners. He basically he wiped the board from top to indeed. bottom, from left to right. And it was all around those little things, these marginal gains. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And what I particularly liked about that or appreciated, Pete, was when I was studying, um, going through uni on my master's around quality management, it was this Kaizen continuous improvement, which is basically whatever we do, whatever we did uh, to do today uh, is kind of yesterday's old app. And it won't be good enough for tomorrow. So strive for the best now, but tomorrow it ain't good enough. Raise the bar just that little bit, just that little bit. And there was uh, it was an American, Dr. W. Edwards Deming, that defected. Well, defected. I don't know if that's the right word, but he went over to the Japanese on the back of the Second World War, and he almost single-handedly built the Japanese economy and manufacturing on that whole philosophy of continuous improvement uh, absolutely uh, uh, continuous improvement I mean I find it really easy to talk about if I'm honest with you Paul because I come from a background where you didn't have a choice and excuse me saying this um, a chief exec that sat in a business right now who might be listening to this and well I do that too Pete and, and I'm going to say to him, yes, you do. But do you know what, John? I don't know your business. I only knew mine. Mm. So I could only comment on the background that I came, that I came from. My job as a member of the academy coaching staff and backroom staff was, along with all, all the other staff out there in there, to create players for first-team development. That was our job. But inside of that big uh, perspective there, we couldn't do that unless we worked on the mindset of players and not just the technical development. So we had to create winning mindsets out of those players because ultimately that would be what they would ju they'd be judged upon, winners or losers. Mm. And in sport, there are only two types of people. There are either winners or losers. And sometimes there are habitual losers. And oftentimes there are habitual winners. Habitual winners don't become winners, Paul, just because they become winners. They've worked at it. And there's a whole series of marginal gains gone in in that. Yeah. There's a whole series of constant improvements gone on every single day. So I get the stuff that you talk about with respect to, uh, to Dave Brailsford and people like that. I think what he did, and British Cycling did, was set a mould that I don't think the likes of which has ever been set before, if I'm honest. It was astounding what they did. Absolutely astounding. It might never be done again. I don't know. Mm. You know, if you take the, the concept of what Sir Alex Ferguson did at Manchester United and what he did in his career, 40-odd trophies or whatever it was in his spell, you know, his management, including all that, that European um, Cup winners Cup win with Aberdeen, which was just absolutely gobsmacking, to be quite honest. You know, beating the great Real Madrid and Bayern Munich along the way. Aberdeen, by the way, Aberdeen, small provincial town in Scotland, astounding. So this aspect of um, constant improvement 
it's there for everybody. It's not there just for some. It depends how much you want to do it. But I'm going to say this to it, Paul. When I say it depends on how much you want to do it, here's the thing. It hurts to do it mentally. Because you've got to get up and you've got to give it a little bit more effort than you gave it the day before. And the day before, you gave it one hell of an effort. But the day after, you've got to give it one hell of a hell of an effort. That's the way it is. That's how winning is done. So, excuse me using the phrase winning all the time, but it is, it's in my DNA. You know, that's the background I'm from. It's, it's just the way in which it is. Um, and, and so this thing is that you've got to get up and you've got to go, today I've got to do a little bit more. And it does hurt you mentally. It challenges you mentally. It's one hell of a hit. It's very, Pinch, I'll just sort of pause for a moment there, Pete. Listening to you saying about that, sort of sorry for, you know, keep going on about success. We should never be, we should never be sorry for it, should we really? Because, no. you know, it's, I would, I'd take that a stage further and say that that success is in us. But we kind of, we learn or we unlearn about success. We unlearn about happiness. We unlearn about how valuable we are. You know, all these things are, are naturally within us. I really do believe that. But, you know, that conditioning from a very, very early age, that need for control, and then, and certainly from my own mindset, in a very, very, very negative, extremely negative way, was win at all costs. Well, for me, that was based on survival on the street which was not pretty. And then I found mm. myself, Pete, to put it in context of what you're talking about here, making excuses and apologising for basically surviving. But in my mind, yeah. it was success because I was winning. So I suppose there's good success. And or and let me ask the question rather than make a statement. Is there good success and bad success? Or is there yeah. just success? No, I think, you, I think the first part of your question is correct. And I'm going, to, I'm going to say why. Because to succeed, you have to plan to succeed. Anybody can win once, Paul. Anybody. at anything. Anybody can win once. And I know that there's probably listeners going, are you sure about that, Pete? Yeah, I'm sure about that. I'm convinced about that. But winning and maintaining winning, that takes planning. You have to plan to do that. And in planning to do that, you've got to do little bits of things that you didn't do before, okay? If that makes sense. Absolutely. So planning, uh, sorry, so to, to succeed, you do have to plan to succeed. So like Mr. Ferguson, who had all those years of winning trophies, he didn't win by chance every single year. He planned to win by putting together maybe a different squad of players every two or three years or whatever that might be, when he saw transitions occurring with players. Some had to go out, some had to come in. That's planning to succeed. And there are all those parts of that plan are very difficult because they hurt mentally. You have to make big decisions. And as you develop with your succeeding patterns, Part of the changes that you make might be much smaller than happened, than happened the year before and the year before that. They're more finite now. 
So there's success, and then and then there's maintaining success. So there are two two different types of success for me. Mm. There are those that just win, and then there are those that are habitual winners. They're maintainers of success. That's success. That's that, proper success. That finite uh, element of what you was describing there, Pete. I, I don't know why. I was thinking about you know because obviously we're from a football background, the pair of us, but where a team I'll end up from, you know, defence. So, you know, I don't know, the old cliche, the best way uh, to defend is to attack. So whether you agree with that philosophy or not is another question. (laughs) But when you look at the way a ball moves from, say, you know, from your own half, your own penalty area, to the opposition penalty area, you know, covering that proverbial 100 metres, 100 yards, 120, whatever it is, but once it's in that six-yard box, you're in that real finite element then, aren't you? You know, let's get the ball into the opposition box efficiently, as quickly as we can, and then we're into that real... You know, that's why strikers are paid mega bucks, isn't it? Because oh, yeah. their expertise, is or her expertise, to put that in, in that real fine split-second moment, is completely different, isn't it, to moving, playing the ball around at the back, you know, triangle, playing triangles in midfield, whatever the, you know, the style of play may be. So when he was talking there, Pete, it's like, yeah, it's about getting in the six-yard box of life and then executing regularly. Very much so. But I I also think that what goes with success, hand in glove with success, and they are absolutely the same bed partners, is failure. Mm. Now, I refer to failure in my book, The Language of Winning. I call it the F word. So, you know, when I would, I would speak with players, I, I would, you know, often use the phrase, the F word. It wasn't that I was sexing it up any, quite the contrary. What I was trying to say to players is simply this. You can't possibly win every match. You, pl- you plan to win every match, Paul. Mm. You don't plan to lose a match. Players don't plan to lose a match. I've never known player, any player at any level ever go out onto a football pitch not to give his best. I just haven't. That's not human nature. It's as simple as that. In a competitive environment, the greatest of the competitors, they always come right to the very front and go beyond. And absolutely go beyond. But I still have never known a player ever not to go out and win. But it tells us, the law of averages tells us we won't win every match. Mm. And so what we have to do with the matches that we don't win is plan to use the failures we've just had because they create your next success. Yeah. You have to do that. You know, so what you're going to get is people who go, forget that now, it's happened. No, you don't forget that. Sorry, I'm clapping my hands here. You don't forget that. You put it in, in your bank account of memories, but what you do with it is you turn it on its head and go, how might I do it differently next time? That little bit, that little bit, that one moment in time that cost you one goal in a game that lost you that game, which is that one moment in time where something wasn't quite rightly done to get the, the deal across the line. And so... And so now a group of directors in a board meeting, and if the board meeting has been conducted with real efficiency, 
No blame cultures will be created, but everybody who's in that room accepts their responsibility because accepting responsibility is the first sign of any winner's mindset. And admonishing that responsibility is the very first sign of any loser's mindset. And losers create blame cultures. And blame cultures don't work anywhere. So when you lose, you go, right, what do we get from that? What might we do differently next time? And the, the reason why I say differently, Paul, is because actually we might have done it very well this time. It's just the opposition that we played was slightly better. So it might be that we have to change, change our strategy, not necessarily our performance. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And, and I love the alignment of this, uh, this conversation, Pete. We are so, so aligned in our, in our philosophy towards the beautiful game. And I don't mean football in terms of the beautiful game. What I mean there, listeners, is the game of life. For me, oh, that is a far bigger, far bigger game. You know, which brings us in, uh, well, before I was going to say about the iconic um, Shankly quote, Pete, I want to I just finish off what I said earlier on or was talking about the thread between us around vision. So we create a big vision. We then yeah. set, for me personally, strong intentions. And with those intentions go strategies, tactics, action, and then what do I do personally when I've done all that? I let it go. I let it go because I'm not attached to it. I'm committed, but I'm not attached. And there's a big difference. Yes, I agree with that. And particularly, I agree with the strong intentions bit there. That, that particular bit is absolutely right up my street. I got asked a question not too long ago um, by a businessman who was talking about a um, particular issue that he had inside of one of his leadership teams. And he said he was going to deal with it. And that was his phrase, by the way, Paul. So I asked him a question. I said, um, what do you mean by how are you going to deal with it? He said, well, this is what I have to do. So I asked him a question. I said, have you worked out what your intentions are before you go into that meeting? What do you intend to achieve from that meeting? And he actually said to me, what do you mean by that, Pete? And I said, well, what does the end of the meeting look like to you? If he's been successful, what does the end of the meeting look like? And he answered by saying to me, the two members of staff that I'm actually wanting to speak to, they're aligned along the company ideas and they now see the picture where we all have to be. And the next question that came from that was, how do you achieve that? Do you achieve that by isolating them? Or before you go into that meeting, are you well aware of what their talent line is and what they're capable of, of, of producing and creating? And his answer to me was, he said, they're very gifted. So I said, well, why would you want to lose gifted talent if that be the case? What you have to do with gifted talent is manage it, lead it, show it how to do it, give it options. And so I said, you use your intentions like a video picture. What does the movie scene look like in your head when you finish speaking? And if it's one, for example, let's say you're a public speaker, you do conference speaking as I do. My intention is always that they leave that room at the end of the, of the presentation from me that I've been asked to deliver. And I can hear people saying, hey, that was good, wasn't it? 
hey, did you listen to that little bit he said? That's the movie scene I want to see, Paul. Now, mm. now I know the movie scene. Now I know what I have to do to create the movie scene. So now I can put into place what my bits, the mechanics of the intentions actually are. So what I'm saying is the end is always a great beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Brings in uh, Stephen Covey's second habit, begin with the end in mind. <laughs> absolutely. Begin with the end in mind. And then for me, the, the end bit of letting it go is when you've took the learning out of it. Yes. So there's no expect, you know, diminishing that expectation. Because for me, it's a bit like that word perfection. It's a big, big trap waiting to happen. Just be careful of expectation. Well, the, the thing I would say to that, Paul, is this, is that every great, every great business harbours a learning culture. Yeah, that's a fact. Every great business harbors a learning culture. And if your business doesn't have a learning culture, how on earth can you expect people who have to do the jobs for you develop as life changes and the jobs changes in life? See, it's really important to always upskill your people, always. You know, I've spoken to many people over this last year in particular and how things have changed, you know, with the concept of... Um, our modus operandi towards work now? Do we continue to work from home? Uh, do we bring people back into the workplace? Do we have 80-20 work splits? Do we have 50-50 work splits? You know, that type of stuff. Whatever you choose, the simple fact is, is the success of your business will always come down to the abilities of your people. If that be the case, then you have to invest in your people. Mm. And for those that don't invest in the people, don't blame your people when it doesn't get done properly. Now, if it's an attitude problem, then fine. That's something that you, they can be criticised for. If, on the other hand, it's the perspective of not developing, like the team that you're going to play at the weekend, who are on an upward run, and you're playing against a side that have had much better results than you, then you've got to prepare your side to play against them, which means you've got to put them in a learning environment so they, you, they know what their performance um, uh, parameters are, are going to have to be. That's called, you know, uh, the, the learning environment. If there's no learning environment, how on earth can you expect people to develop in their jobs? What I love about that is... Listeners, I've, I've propounded many times my own personal five L's value. The, the first one is in the title of this podcast episode, Life. That's the first one, because without life, there isn't anything. And the second one is exactly what Pete's just mentioned there, learning. The third one, love. The fourth one, legacy. And the fifth one is loyalty. And I mean yeah. loyalty to self. Loyalty to self be true to yourself, to yeah. thine own self be true, because without doing that, you're sure as hell ain't going to be true to anybody else if you can't lead from the front. I just want to start, I, I can see the metaphoric whistle going in the referee's mouth, uh, Pete, to say, hey, you two, I'm looking at my watch. <laughs> and as, you know, all players will, we, you know, we want a bit more time to, to play and perform. So I want to start, Pete, by... The Three Kings is um, somebody I know that's created a video called The Three Kings around Busby, Steen and, St and Shankly. Yeah. 
I want to kind of offer you um, the, the opportunity to name your three kings. You know, not necessarily from football, although obviously one might assume, and we should never assume, listeners, but one might assume that because of your strong background, which we've never, you know, we haven't, we haven't kind of gone into much detail. I know you've sort of used the word backroom and academy, um, but you have had a very strong affiliation and representation, Pete, of a certain club in the north of England, have you not? Yeah, I have. I mean, I, I actually, as you well know, Paul, I, I worked for the Blues in Manchester, Manchester City. But I have to profess here, by the way, that my my first love was always Man United. And the reason being because my my dad was a Man U fan and the very first game he ever sent me, to, oh, took me to watch, um, to, to watch see live was Man United versus Leeds at Old Trafford in the very early 70s. And that's, I, I don't remember my age, I've got to be honest with it, because I can't remember the year. I just remember being a tiny little tot stood between my dad's legs. We were sitting in the best seats in the ground and um, I was just spellbound by this, this magical noise from a full house that was just reverberating all around the place. And all I kept hearing was a chant and it was going, George, 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 George Best. The, the very great George Best played and it was like watching a magician with a ball stuck at his feet and nobody could get it off him. It, you know, everybody knew what he was going to do, but it didn't really make much difference to him. He just did it anyway. <laughs> you know, and for a, for a very small, a, a very little child, you know, those are magic moments in time, by the way. And, and that's why I grew up on Man U, mm. plain and simple, um, which was an issue for me, obviously, when I worked for Manchester City, because you've talked about loyalty and I believe in loyalty. I think I, I genuinely do believe in loyalty. And so I had to learn to love uh, uh, Man City before I did Man United on the day of a derby. Mm. That was quite hard, by the way. Mm. You know, that was really quite hard. But I'm, I'm happy to say who my, um, my three kings are. And um, believe it or not, the great George isn't in there. I've almost put him in there, but he's not there. My three kings are Muhammad Ali because I think the man was an unbelievable icon of the modern world um, and a boxing phenom, to be quite honest, just astounding. Uh, Nelson Mandela, because of what he did um, and because of um, the adversity he managed and the nation that he started to get to rise out of the ashes of... Um, you know, this oppressive way of dealing with people. And then, of course, our own leader, the very great and only one, Winston Churchill, because there are millions of people who own that man a legacy. And really, they, you know, just every now and then, just look up to the skies for what he did. He led a nation. He led a nation through six years of turmoil. And I can say that because my dad went to war at 15, believe it or not. Astounding, really, isn't it, to say that? Um, his brother saw four years of it, my dad saw the six and you know my family had quite a few people that, um, that were prepared to give as many families did so you know he would talk about the effect, the, the, the Churchill factor really and um, I've grown up being fascinated by that guy if I'm honest with you so mm -hmm. if I had to have if I had to have a dinner the last supper 
and it, and I could choose the three people for, to be reincarnated for a night, it would be them. Definitely them. I'll tell you what, Pete, listening to you there, and listeners, this is the absolute truth. I, the ears on my arms have stood up. Just honestly, that, and um, it's not, I don't cast myself as kind of hard nose or insensitive. It's not very often that happens. So, but listening to you there, I am going to find it extremely difficult to challenge any of those names. And, and in fact, the names won't stand up to any challenge because it's such a personal thing. But I defy, you know, we have to be careful to, to dive into the realms of being general here. But I'm going to make a statement, mm. which apparently as a podcast host, I shouldn't be making, but I'm going to make it anyway, because I can. And that's, right. <laughs> you know, it's my ball. And if I want to take it over. Right. <laughs> um, right. It's, I defy listeners to, you know, to go against any of those from, you know, from humanity, Mandela, from sport, Ali, and from, I mean, I don't know how you, what label or umbrella you would attribute to the, the Churchill one, Pete, because no. it's kind of everything, you know, you say over that six years, and at a point in time where a lot of the other so-called leaders went against him. So, oh, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't easy for him. Well, his record at the Admiralty had been actually potentially disastrous, mm. you know. So he'd gone into um, becoming a PM of this country, actually against the wishes of many, many people. Mm. But, you know, out of the ashes rises, rises a great leader. And he showed people how to um, to stand up and, and go, no, we've got, we, we've got to challenge this adversity. We, we have to win it. We have to win it. Because mankind um, is going to exist, the balance of mankind, what it's going to look like in Europe, and possibly even the world for, for years to come, you know, sat on the shoulders of giants. Mm. And what he was saying was this, yes, it may well be giants around us, just a few at the moment, but the rest of us have to learn how to become giants. And as he said, I may, have, I may not have been the lion, but it was left to me to give the lion's roar. Mm. outstanding you know with all due respect if you listen to that you know in the times of in times of strife how can you not be motivated by that mm. you know it's as simple as that so you know um, absolutely absolutely i want to ask you one final big question as we always do to finish the game off but part that for a moment i want to invite you in if i may to share your contact details you know how people can reach out to you. We'll, we'll you know, the, the contact details that we'll put in your bio for the show notes. What are they, Pete? Um, well, first and foremost, I can be emailed at two at two email addresses. Um, one is um, Pete at first hyphen team.net, and the second one is um, Pete at Peter, uh, sorry, Pete at PeteLow.com. And if I, if I may, Paul, I'd like to invite people to look at some videos which come from my book called The Language of Winning, and that's at uh, www.petelow.com. I'm happy to give my telephone number if you're happy to receive that. Um, my number is 07531 uh, feel free to check me out on LinkedIn. I think my profile is half decent, to be fair. 
it's worth looking at. Um, and, and that's a full LinkedIn profile with that. My Twitter handle, I'm sounding right posh here, aren't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm, for a boy from a council estate, by the way, I'm sounding right posh here. My Twitter <laughs> handle is at your first team, at your, at capital Y, and first, capital F, and team, capital T. And anybody can get me on them things there. Happy to receive any messages, uh, any feedback from this, any disagreements with anything I've said. I'm really happy to receive any of that. And um, if anybody wants to look at the videos, I'm happy to receive feedback on them because the first module is free. It's at no cost to anybody. Super. And that is, that is written from, sorry, that's taken from my book, Paul, The Language of Winning. And that's not talking about winning games, by the way. It's about how we win in life. Well, I think what we've done here, listeners, is very, very, very nicely say to Pete, please come back. Let's do another podcast episode where we focus on those four immortal words, the language of winning. So we can dive into your book, Pete, on another episode. We'll have a look at that. Um, but you know, before we do that on the next episode, I want to, I want, you know, the referee's getting very impatient now. <laughs> mm. He's getting very impatient with us. So I'm going to oblige him because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to pick a couple of cards up here, red cards, so we can't perform again or miss the next game. So my question to you, Pete, is this. Right. What piece of advice would, you know, I mean, there's many pearls of wisdom that's already been dropped into this conversation but I want you to single out one, not necessarily the top piece of advice you could ever leave to anybody, whether it's in the game of life or the game of football, and we both agree that there's, there's nothing to choose between them, they're one and the same. What would that legacy-leaving piece of advice be, Pete, from you? Well, that's really easy for me. Um, and I'm going to make reference to a Rocky film, believe it or not. Now you're thinking, Rocky, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm really sure. In the last Rocky film, there's a fantastic scene in the streets, a speaking, speaking scene between him and his son, when his son's imploring him not to go into the ring again because he's going to make a fool of him and make a fool of his son. And Rocky turns around to him and, said, and talks to him about how winning is done. It's not about how many times and how hard you get hit. It's about how many times you keep getting up and going forward after you've been hit. That's life. Mm -hmm. That's wow. life. Isn't that been the last year that we've all had, Paul? Absolutely. Isn't that the last year? And so I'll finish by saying this to you. There's a brilliant quote by the great Pat Riley, ex of um, LA Lakers, um, a head coach fame. Now I believe he's New York Knicks, I think. Um, and he states in his book called uh, The Winner Within, it's an old book now, 1993, but it's one of those that I keep going back and reading time and time again, and it simply goes like this. With people, it goes like this when he's making reference to certain people. There are people who are, who are and I quote, coulda, shoulda, or woulda. Because if you shoulda and coulda, then you woulda. <laughs> it's an outstanding quote. So if you want to be a coulda and shoulda and woulda person, you tell everybody that I could have done that and I, should, I know I should have done that, but I didn't do it, therefore I wouldn't have. Or either you're going to shoulda and you're a coulda 
and you ended up being a wooder. Me, I want to be in the last bunch. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Pete, thank you so much. Thank you for your shares, your insights, your wisdom. Listeners, I don't know about you, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, the referee now, seriously, I keep saying this, listeners, but he's getting very, very, very impatient. So, you know, so that me and Peter are not suspended for the next uh, podcast and we don't want to pick a red card up, I'm going to close it out here by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond?